Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon of Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, presenter of the DeAndre Swift gift for those with a swift lift up the fantasy gift list, rank, first ranking officer of the Terry McLaurin Stand Club and BFS with the Oracle, your humble host, Pete Rogers. And I am joined by some of the guys. Uh, we have the Duck Father, governor and overseer of the Derrick Henry Rage Manor. DK Metcalf's number one admirer and caster of the double reverse chutzpah, resident old man Clark Barnes, and loather of Adam Gase, doubter of John Gruden's Jacobs Handel Schick, lifeguard in training at your neighborhood Chase Claypool, and thinks your favorite team is run by donkeys, uh, the ginger scruffy man, Nick Bodiford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Good, Pete. How are you? I am doing well. We may be joined by Jordan later. We shall see. I will say to start off the show, do you guys ever have you ever driven where yes. like you're you're oh, <laughs> have you ever driven a car? Uh like you're doing a route that you've done so many times that you just kind of like zone out and go into autopilot while you're driving. And then and so you're just kind of like zoning out autopilot. Um and so I did this today when I was going to and from the market. I was going to the market, autopilot, drive, 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 coming up a hill, and I see this like black lab who's clearly walking with his owners haven't seen the owners yet like kind of coming over the hill and my brain remember i'm in the middle of like rural new hampshire northern new hampshire my brain first thought oh shit that's a panther like what the fuck am i what what are we doing here brain like the first thing my brain is thinking is like i'm about to like stumble upon this black panther like stalking in the middle of the road uh in uh northern new hampshire so that was uh that was my anecdote for the day if I can paraphrase what I'm hearing, you're asking, does your brain sometimes do stupid things? Yes. Yes. Dep- well, yeah, Every time I, the I, lights I, go out, I check my phone to see if it was an EMP attack or if it was just the lights <laughs> going out. Yeah. So I got that. I've, have, you guys, have you guys been having a lot of power outages recently? Because we've been flirting with that for like the last week. We had one the other day. It was extremely windy, but it came yep. back on. So it was fine. Yep. Things are pretty uh pretty standard over here yeah we had our first snowfall this weekend and during that it was we got some strong winds and our powers like in the morning flickering every every so often which made the internet really exciting because you would have internet and then it would flicker out and then it would flicker right back on and then you know five minutes later the internet would click back in which was fine for me but for becca who had classes during this weekend not so great as she was flickering in and out of classes in mild frustration. All right. Well, let's talk some football. As always, that's what we do on this show. We got some NFL news to get to. And then we're going to play a little bit of a would you rather. But first, let's tackle that news. 
Headlining the news uh, would be the losses that the Eagles suffered this week. Uh, we had Zach Ertz, who busted his ankle, I believe, and is out now three to four weeks. And Miles Sanders, who tweaked his knee again, uh, and he is certainly out Thursday night uh, against the Giants. But they're also thinking that he could be out uh, the following week. Both of those guys. uh, Well, Nick, let's start with you. For Zach Ertz, missing extended period of time. I know you've talked about this before, but this is this is go go return Dallas Goddard to your to your lineup, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, pretty much everybody who didn't draft like Travis Kelsey is hurting at tight end. And George uh, Kittle is that, back, yeah. and, and he is back in a big way, and I'm very happy about that. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I'm, Dallas Goddard is a very good tight end, and the Eagles team is just hemorrhaging players like uh, nothing I've ever seen before in consecutive years. Yeah, if if you need tight end help, go get Dallas Goddard. We don't know when he's coming back, but there's a he very good chance to come off of IR this week. He's so, eligible too. He's yeah. eligible. And I think that I I'd read beat reporters being like Jalen Rager and Dallas Goddard are like set to return. Yeah. I don't, but you're right. That's it's, it's important to like, they can come back from IR, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they will be taking the field. But my guess would like, I feel like especially Dallas Goddard, given how productive he was to start this season, I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if the Eagles with Zach Ertz's injury kind of like try to, nudge him back onto the field maybe a little a little sooner than he should be. well that and they're trying not to pay earth right that's also true so, it, so they it, might be like, i mean mm-hmm. or not pay him a lot clark right you got a smirk what's going on yeah so with zach Ertz, it begs the fantasy question if a player who's not doing anything falls over and doesn't play anymore does anyone notice <laughs> uh, so the the eagles are struggling mightily and those who are wondering if Travis Fulgham was going to, I think Travis Fulgham, and Fulgham sounds wrong as the it does sound right. but it's what everyone was saying. Uh, he followed up his very strong week with another strong week. And a couple of balls that you like to see for these types of waiver wire pickups where Carson Wentz didn't know what to do. And so he made a horrible play by just chucking it up to someone. And it was Fulgham three or four times. So I think that He's going to be picking up the slack if anyone is. I know that the Eagles have a lot of players set to return, but if maybe folks in your league didn't think it was serious and left him back out here, I would definitely pick up Fulgham. And I agree that Goddard's an exciting pickup uh, just because he's really good, kind of regardless of what happens with Zacherts. Yeah. Do you, Clark, are you buying any uh, Boston stock, Boston Scott stock uh, yeah, with Sanders? Yeah. I mean, he, he'll, he'll get the start. He'll split carries with, someone but he's an exciting player and starting running backs at this point in the season are tough to come by so if i was in a fab situation i'd probably go 20 25 of my fab if i really needed a running back since we don't know what's going on with sanders um i would at least price enforce with like 10 percent of my fab so uh he is supposed to miss between one and two weeks it looks like he really 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 lucked out um, yeah, so no, that's the that was like because that knee it's the knee and the hamstring have been bothering him all year, and you're very happy to see that it's only kind of a minor little dingy. Yeah, it's the 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 problem is that they have uh, this Thursday night game, then they play next Sunday, the following Sunday, and then they go on bye. And so I like I, I agree with everything you're saying, Clark. We need to add Boston Scott if if we need a running back. And I, I was kicking myself earlier because. We talked like, I don't know, whenever Barkley went out, 
uh, on the podcast about how Devontae Freeman would be the lead back there. And I was like, I mean, I said, Adam, if you need a running back, if you really need a running back, uh, but he's going to be really terrible. And he is terrible, but everybody needs a running back. And in so many leagues now, you know, where I got like Kenyon Drake or Nick Chubb or uh, or Sanders, I'm just like, why didn't I? And, and you can always use, no matter how crappy they are, you can always use somebody who's going to get like 17 touches. Devonta Freeman falling for like seven, you know, 60 yards on 15 touches is like PPR gold. Uh, Nick, I think you raised a good point. I think 25% might have been too aggressive, but uh, you raised a good point of running backs valuable. Are we going to talk about Devonta Freeman at all, or is this my opportunity to do that? Uh, I, I mean, I was not planning on it. spending any time for the do podcast it. talking about Devonta Freeman, but go. Uh, there were some players for the Giants who looked okay in that just worst fest of a football game. And Devonta Freeman had a couple of runs, but anyone who's tempted, I mean, if you got him okay, and he is a warm body, but the if you thought the Cowboys looked inept at times, uh, now we have a good idea of why that was. Uh, <laughs> Jason Garrett spreading joy across the Northeast with the New York Giants this year. I know we're going to get into Would You Rather, uh, and this isn't one of mine, but... If you, who would you rather coach your favorite team, Jason Garrett or Adam Gase? I mean, Jason Garrett doesn't actively make all superstars around him terrible. Just most of them, I think. Just most. Just makes your offense painful to watch. Yeah, I think the one thing maybe that, that Garrett has going for him then that uh, Gase doesn't is that Gase, no matter what, is like dead last in the league and plays run. And if I have a terrible coach, I just want as many opportunities for him to not completely suck. And I think Garrett like has the leg up in that regard. Uh, for those at home, the next two games that the Eagles have giants and Cowboys, and then they go on by, and then they play the giants again. So that's by that, pretty by that good. Boston Scott. Yeah. Two pretty good games to cash in on Boston Scott. Also the NFC East, not a single team in it has a, has a winning record. Gotta love that division. That's like three years in a row. That they've Gold been bad, standard right? right there. Gold yeah. standard of, of the league. Uh, let's move on. Uh, some more tight end injury news. Johnu Smith has an ankle injury, which seems to be mild, but uh, is kind of, looks like he's possibly could keep him out for a little bit of time. And in stepped our boy. And by our boy, I mean, never heard of this guy until <laughs> he took over uh, for Johnu Smith. Anthony Ferkser is coming in and catching nine, eight of nine targets for 113 yards and a touchdown in the Texans shootout. Holy buckets. Uh, so certainly Ferkser, I have him on my waiver wire ads for this week. If Johnu Smith misses any time, uh, Ferkser is obviously a guy to go add off waivers. Yeah. Ferkser was sapping Johnny Smith's uh, ceiling both last year and somewhat this year. Although this year, Johnny has just been getting it done with intense efficiency. From what I saw, I think Smith is going to be okay. I don't think I, it was an ankle, right? And it wasn't that yeah. big of a deal. Yeah. yeah it it so, doesn't seem like it, it's, it looks like that they, he could be back for this week for week seven, or they might hold him for an extra week, but yeah, doesn't seem to be super so, serious. Okay. The problem is they face uh, Pittsburgh. Now after that, then you get Cincinnati, but I, the, you know, I don't know how much uh, you're going to get out of, uh, albeit a high targeted tight end against Pittsburgh, but hey, you know, can't fault you for chasing volume. Plus it's a situation where if Johnny Smith, if he comes in, if he plays week seven, a little dinged up and he leaves because he got dinged up again, you, uh, you don't hate to see 
to see uh, Berkshire come back in and play there. Uh, running back injuries that we saw, these two guys left during their games, and we have an update on uh, one of them. So we'll start with him. Raheem Mostert left the 49ers game banked up, and it seems like Kyle Shanahan has come back, come out and said, I had it in front of me, and then you know what I did? I like was checking my phone, which clears your notifications on your home screen like a noob. So now I have to refine it. But I expect it to miss sometime. Will likely go on IR, which means he's out for three weeks with a high ankle sprain which means it's uh, back to Jarek McKinnon season. One, I really like the three-week IR. We should just I do, do like that. that, too. Let's keep that, let's keep that NFL for, for the rest of times. For player safety and mainly selfishly for fantasy. Really enjoy that. Uh, Nick, resident uh, RB1 podcast doctor, do we have word on when we can expect to see Tevin Coleman return to the fold? Oh, I have no idea. I haven't even thought about him in ages. Uh, he's been... <laughs> I mean, he was just so inefficient. Like, it's so weird that Shanahan just loves him, but he he does. Um, I can look. I can look up to see Evan what his Coleman, deal is. But... The last update is just that he's been still on IR. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think it was supposed and to be like unlikely six to, to return weeks. before week seven. So. What do you guys think of Jermichael Hasty? Who? <laughs> he is, Anyone? He... So. so... This is the type of offense where someone who would beg the question who from a fantasy football podcast has burst onto the scene before. So I think it is absolutely a situation. Yeah. Um, so he, he's the current backup. Jeff Wilson Jr. is battling a calf injury. And so then oh the next guy God, up 49ers is, backfield, is stay healthy. Yeah. Good Lord. But I think he's worth an ad. Yes. Well, he had nine carries for 37 yards against the Rams. So, yeah, definitely – this 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 backfield i mean everyone gets injured but it also seems like it really doesn't matter who's back there they will always get production well jenny so. really took over for his dad and i was expecting kubiak to keep rolling with that but Shanahan can just turn any running back who is willing to hit the hole or do what he's supposed to into a, a pretty good running back so yeah I, I agree completely nick definitely worth pick up uh, the other big injury we saw, not big, but another another injury that happened mid-game was Mark Ingram left the Ravens game with an injury. I haven't seen an update on how long that's going to keep him out, but it did open the t- open the door for a little extra work from Gus the Bus Edwards, uh, who actually led the backfield in touches. Didn't really, wasn't super productive. He had 14 carries for 26 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he out-snapped but, him and out-touched him. It's hilarious. David. David's out well, he, Dobbins had no, nine. Gus, oh, Gus, Gus had Bus. more carries, but not even. Dobbins had nine carries and two catches. That's less than fourteen carries. It was. I, I think the total was fourteen to eleven on the touch count, and uh, Andy outsnapped him. And he's been one of the most efficient runners, like for a long time. Like his his little claim to flame, claim to fame has been uh, Gus Edwards. This is that he's he's led the league in yards per carry for like two years or something because he just barely qualifies for the uh, like carry threshold. Um, I think he's the 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 guy to add. The, the coaching staff likes him. Wait, were you saying that Gus Edwards out carried and out snapped J.K. Dobbins? That's my understanding. Yes, that is correct. Sorry, I thought you were saying the other way around. Yes, no, no. That's, I agree with you. Gus Edwards is the back to go add because. When Mark Ingram left, suddenly it was it wasn't J.K. Dobbins who got thrown into a larger role. It was Gus Edwards. Nick, we're hilarious. on the same wavelength. It took yeah, us a while, sorry. but we're there. <laughs> I interrupted you. <laughs> so I thought I was going to be sneaky saying that Gus Edwards is completely worth going out to grab. He has played what I would like to call the Jamal Williams role of a back who's not getting a ton of work but looks 
he's very good. He he's not an absolute superstar. He doesn't have the quickness of J.K. Dobbins, but the scheme that the Ravens run, they need someone like Mark Ingram and like Gus Edwards in that a back is going to take the ball and run as fast and as hard as he can into what is probably a gaping hole and then pick up a whole bunch of yards. And so they'll he'll definitely continue to split carries and touches with Dobbins and Dobbins is the more exciting player. But Gus Edwards is going to absorb that Mark Ingram role who did last year saw what, like 12, 14 touchdowns. So uh, even if Ingram isn't going to miss time, I think Gus Edwards is definitely worth going to add because it's only a matter of time. Ingram does look a little slower this year. Maybe it's because he's injured. I don't know, but I've liked Edwards for a while, just a very solid player on a team that needs to return to running the ball because for some reason, Lamar Jackson has regressed as a passer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I Lamar. Damn it. <laughs> what happened? It's like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen switched bodies in some kind of like freaky Friday situation. I don't know it's, what's going on. It's funny. Cause uh, did you guys see the, the play that Lamar had, which we, we I know we should get to the segment here, but uh, Lamar where he like just froze. He, he was like about to take off down the right side and then just, and he like he did this any crazy delivery in front of the goal line and you're like you can do that why are you not connecting with marquise brown the marquise brown thing it kills me absolutely kills me both from just a football standpoint but also because i have marquise brown in like three of my leagues and uh Every time they're like, Marquise Brown leads the NFL in intended air yards and is like all of these great stats that if he just fucking got a ball that was thrown well to him, he would be he would be like a wide receiver one in fantasy easily. Uh, all right, let's finish up the news with just the feel good story. The uh, the Dolphins absolutely shattered on the Jets to the point where Tua Tungavailoa saw the field and then had a really nice moment where he sat out in the empty stadium after the game and FaceTimed his parents. So. Well done, Tua, for coming back from injury and, and taking the field. I wouldn't be too worried. I, I would. Devontae Parker about- got nicked up again, another soft tissue injury. And so in case you were sitting on the fence thinking about Preston Williams perhaps becoming a thing again, mm-hmm. yes. Yes, Preston Williams. Also, uh, shout out to Mike Vrabel for cheating brilliantly. Mike Vrabel, genius effing move. It's not even – if it's in the rules, it's not cheating. Yes, that was – uh, It's only cheating if you get caught. And it's not I mean, even cheating if it's in the rules. But it, it could be like compromising the competitive integrity, which, it, the, which is, Goodell okay. can just slap that on anything. As a Patriots fan, you're aware of this, Pete. I also just like this. I want to also like, this is something that gets in my crawl, in my crawl space. It gets right up in there in my crawl space. Crawl. Crawl. No, I think it's crawl space. I think you're wrong, Clark. <laughs> is... um. Is this whole, like, it's a huge thing in baseball. The whole, like, unspoken rules, and it's, like, how you should play the game. And it's, like, I'm if it's not explicitly in the rules, then I can do whatever the hell I want. If the rules, if it's just, like, the instance of, like, if the rules don't explicitly say I can't do this, then I'm going to do this until the rules tell me I can't. And so Mike Vrabel intentionally having too many guys on the field to save 40 seconds in the game so that the clock stops and he gets that 40 seconds back, which then basically led him to tie up the game, gave him that extra time to tie up the game and then win the game in overtime. Genius move, in my opinion. If you want to bat flip the living shit out of a home run that you hit when you're whatever it is, like down 0-3 when when it's three balls to zero strikes and your team is up by six and it's in the fourth inning, whatever the hell these situations are that these MLB, MLB players all get pissy about, because they hit a grand slam 
do the grand slam. Hit the freaking ball. This is your goddamn job to like go out there and play well. And you can't have to like these weird restrictions on how well you can play or what certain times you should be able to play at. <sighs> this is why I don't watch baseball. Stupid fucking rules. Anyways, there's my little spiel. Mike Vrabel, you're a god. Keep up the good work. And there's the news. <laughs> I'm getting hyped and we haven't even gotten to a segment. Let's, uh, before we play Would You Rather, I got too excited. I got so excited, I even forgot that we have to take a ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, we are back, and it is time to play the game that everyone knows and loves. Would you rather? If you've listened to this podcast at all before or went to high school, you know the rules of this game. Uh, We're just throwing out Two different scenarios, people, players, things, what have you. And we're determining uh, what you'd rather have. So, uh, Clark, why don't you start us off? So, I think this is an odd one, especially for what we expected at the beginning of the year. And it's, would you Lamar Jackson or uh, Deshaun Watson for the rest of the year? Uh, Deshaun Watson obviously got off to a bad start with a coach who insisted on running on every first and second down uh, before maybe attempting to pass on third and long for four games. But in the past two games, we've seen Watson really come on. At the same time, we've seen Lamar Jackson uh, seemingly not be able to rise to the occasion of the Ravens trying to put more on his shoulders in the passing game. Uh, Really smart coaching staff for the Ravens. So I would be very surprised if they don't just say, hey, we tried and he's not a very good passer. We're just going to go back to running the ball for 400 yards a game, which is obviously good for Lamar. Uh, But Watson, we're starting to see uh, what a lot of people have known that he could do which is carry a team on his back and he's done that just with flying colors for the past two weeks i think this is a really really good one um my excitement might end up making me go with watson just because he's he's free of bill o'brien and it's so much fun to talk about that whenever you know on the podcast or anytime we can writing. talk about bill o'brien being gone we talk about bill o'brien being gone yeah, so, I mean, he's cleared 300 yards uh, in, in each of the last two games. They got Green Bay on tap, who may have been exposed. Uh, they got the the bye week, which, let's see here. So, all right, so they, they, they I, I was hoping to, to, to kind of tie break with whether or not one of them had a bye, but they both have byes coming up in the next two weeks. Ultimately, the schedule for Deshaun Watson is, is quite a bit softer. Jacksonville, Cleveland, New England, Detroit, Indianapolis, Chicago, Indian, Cincy. 
whereas I won't read off all of Baltimore's, but they do have uh, a date with, they have two dates with Pittsburgh in uh, the fantasy regular season. And to your point uh, earlier, Clark, about what they may try to have him do or not do, they've only lost once. And given that, uh, with his sort of middling, middling production, excuse me, um, I don't think they're going to be inclined to change things too much. If, if it's resulting in wins, then I think that they're going to be okay with like kind of having him do what he's doing. And, and I don't know, maybe they uh, dial back the passes a little bit, but I think ultimately uh, Deshaun Watson is going to be the guy here. I uh, would second that notion from a, from a fantasy standpoint, like Lamar Jackson, I feel like it would be a huge deal if Lamar Jackson threw for 300 yards. Obviously, he's going to like he'll add some he has a very high rushing floor. And so more likely his stat line is like maybe 170 yards uh, through the air and then like 60 to 80 yards on the ground, which is great. But Deshaun Watson is the Titans uh, the Texans offense. And so I feel like he's just going to throw for 300 yards with regularity. And that amount of air air yards and, and passing and just like work in the game the reliance on him to be this offense, I feel like is the move for fantasy where you're just going to like, he's going to chuck the ball all over the field. And that's going to lead to more production unless Lamar, like unless they do focus solely on the ground game in, in Baltimore and Lamar's rushing becomes, I think the biggest thing that's missing is just his efficiency in the red zone. Like last year, Lamar was just, just through stupid amount of touchdowns in, in like, in uh, uh ratio to uh his his passing yards and we've seen that that ratio digress or regress um whereas with Deshaun Watson like the guy chucks the ball all over the field and also gets you touchdowns uh through the air yeah and final note here the Ravens defense is good whereas the Texas defense is embarrassing to Texas fans so yeah Deshaun Watson will every game Watson plays will be a shootout (laughs) which uh you know, you like that going forward. Nick, give us a would you rather. Okay. So I was looking for some, uh, some purple. Or, okay. Yeah, here we go. It's just, I found it. So uh, my first would you rather guys, would you rather have James Robinson or Jonathan Taylor discuss? And then I'll tell you why you're right or wrong. <laughs> I like that confidence. So, I'll kick off here. So Taylor got off to a, pretty hot start after Marlon Mack went down and then has been relatively disappointing. I think as the Colts have struggled here of late, I still think Taylor is the guy for me because I think the Colts are a slightly better team with a better line and he has a little bit better of a pedigree, but this is a really good one because if you just shook your head, no, and wanted me to argue for James Robinson, I feel like I could. Yeah, I, I love this because I think Clark hit the nail on the head where both of these backs have flashed. And then it's, for me, the th- what it comes down to is, is like, will the, Colts off, will the Colts figure out their offense? Because if they can like figure out what their offense is, then I think Jonathan Taylor has a chance to like reliably succeed. Um, but they are just in such turmoil right now. Whereas with the Jaguars, the Jaguars have, we've seen them, their whole like legacy has been, we're going to run the football and that's it. And Jaguars legacy has been turmoil. Whereas the Colts seem to be visiting temporarily. (laughs) Exactly. The Jaguars thrive. You were born in the darkness. I was whatever. That's Bane quote. I nailed it. Anyways, 
Um, just the thought that the, the Jaguars offense has always been about the ground game and they have a running back in James Robinson, who is, you know, who's talented, like really good in both the rushing and passing. I think, <laughs> Nick, why don't you tell us who you think is wrong and right? And then I'll give you my answer. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do think uh, I'm glad that you guys agree. I think that this one is, is like a pretty tough, uh, tough one to distinguish. I've been looking over their usage uh, totals. Taylor has 65 carries. He's got 10 targets. James Robinson, meanwhile, has 60 carries, 15 targets. I like the slight edge in the passing game usage there. The, um, the schedule heavily favors Jonathan Taylor, and that's something we talked about in the offseason where he, he's just got a, a real nice uh, run defense schedule all the way through, like literally every game until week 16 when he has to face Pittsburgh. So that's a, a bit disconcerting, but, um, you know, James Robinson, he's got to face them. Uh, the Steelers, that is, in week 11, he's got to face Chicago, who's been, you know, so-so against the ground game. Um What's interesting is that both of these teams are really kind of low on the uh, snaps per game pecking order. The Jacksonville is 24th with 63 and a half and Indianapolis is 27th with 62. So, I mean, we're talking about a play and a half difference here. I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to roll with, with James Robinson, even though Taylor has a slightly easier schedule, the, the snap disparity between these two guys is just too strong with Hines and uh, Jordan Wilkins being so heavily involved. Now Wilkins, I do think he did get injured in this last week, but the team has just shown they're not quite ready to commit to Taylor as being the bell cow, you know, the, the like 60 to 70% snap guy. And I agree, uh, whoever it was that said it earlier, whenever the, this offense figures out what it is, the Colts that is, the ceiling is much higher. But right now, Gardner Minshew is carrying this team, and, and we like running backs on good teams, period. I mean, they, they just get into the red zone more often. They're in a uh, higher, uh, higher volume of touches in, in those, those, uh, those money zones, inside the 10, inside the 5. Uh, so I'm going to go with James Robinson, which is not something I would have found myself saying, I mean, even maybe like one to two weeks ago, yeah, I think the one argument that is in Jonathan Taylor's favor is that I, you're totally right about the snap share. Even with that limited snap share, Taylor has performed. He's like the running back 14, I think, at PPR. And so if that if the Colts ever do just decide that like he is the backfield, then like his he he's, will presumably build upon that ranking. Whereas James Robinson, like this is his not ceiling, but like. This is this is where he is. He's our RB seven right now in fantasy, and like I don't see him getting much better. And Jonathan Taylor, if he saw more work, could join him in in that uh, in that elite stratosphere. So uh, I think I think there is no wrong answer here, but I think that Jonathan Taylor is the right answer. All right, I'll do my first. Would you rather? And it is looking at two wide receivers. One you can get on waivers, and one you can't. Who would you rather rest of the season, Juju Smith-Schuster or Tim Patrick of the Denver Broncos? So it is difficult to figure out what is happening in Pittsburgh. It looks like they have drafted another absolute freak wide receiver in the second round who's going to take the league by storm. Uh, Having said all of that, uh, I think last week – Almost everything that could have possibly gone right for the Denver Broncos did, while at the exact same time, everything that could have possibly gone wrong for the Patriots did, and the Broncos kind of squeaked it out. 
So I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to be a star in this league for a really long time. I doubt that the Steelers are going to pay him. So if you are high on Juju in Dynasty, now's a good time to go and get him, knowing that this year may not be the most productive. But uh, he gets open and catches the ball really well and has done that for a few years, which is really important to do as a wide receiver. So I'm going to stick it out. Better quarterback, better offense, better situation with Juju Smith-Schuster instead of uh, – Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick. For the record, through five games, Juju Smith-Schuster is averaging 10.2 half-point PPR points per game, while Tim Patrick of the Denver Broncos, 10.6. So, basically, he's already a better wide receiver. So, uh, I laughed when you proposed this, but I think I am going to go with Tim Patrick. Yes, Nick! yeah, so I I, I, I I apologize to whoever it is. I know we have a huge audience, and, and they'll probably know, and they'll hit me up and say, hey, that was me. Somebody uh, earlier today on, on Twitter, actually might have been either Hardest or Gerard Evans, but uh, they were talking about how Drew Locke is basically playing like he's Jameis Winston, where he's just launching bombs like nonstop. And you don't need to, to have uh, a good quarterback attached to your fantasy receiver. You just need someone who's going to nonstop throw yellow balls. And that appears to potentially be the case uh, with Drew Locke. Looking through the rest of their, the rest of the season schedule, I mean, there is a lot of favorable outings here for Tim Patrick. I know the Chargers could get healthy and, and maybe they, their defense resumes its former self, but right now it's just an injury plagued unit. Uh, that, so they got them twice. They got, uh, man, two dates with, with Kansas city. That's going to push the pace, Miami, Carolina, Las Vegas. There's a lot to like about that. Oh, that man, upcoming you've, schedule. you've missed, you've missed the fact that they play the Falcons in three weeks. Great. Okay. Great point. Now, uh, the Steelers on the other side, you know, they got, they got two dates with Baltimore and, and Baltimore slot coverage is a little bit lacking. So it's, that's not terribly uh, uh, imposing, I suppose. And, and they get a couple of dates with, uh, with Cincinnati. They got one with Jacksonville. I think what might be the differentiator is the knee injury. Uh, Juju has been missing Wednesday practices as though he's a longtime veteran uh, and he's being listed with a knee injury. I don't know what the knee injury is. It's possible that we have like uh, a Doug Baldwin or Jerry Judy situation on our hands where it's a degenerative thing. Uh, it could be meniscus or, or I probably not. I, th- I think they'd hold him out for MCL, but the point is he's got some sort of injury that they're treating him like he is an old man for. And I, so I don't know what, how that knee is going to hold up. Um, it's totally friggin' bananas, but yeah, I, I think, uh, of course. Okay. Now I'm going to contradict myself. Noah Fant is out. And so is KJ Hamler. So when those guys return is Tim Patrick's target volume just gone. I don't know. I think the takeaway here is that this is even a conversation and right. that is enough to make this like, I don't know. That's not coin, great. Yeah. Coin toss it. That's not great for Juju. Those Juju managers. I, so the thing is, is I am like, since the, since the Broncos did play the Patriots, I obviously watched that game. Uh, and watching Tim Patrick, both how he was like targeted, how he was used down the field, the plays that he made against the Patriots secondary, which has been iffy this season. Like it's, it's not what it was last year, but still, I, I just was very impressed at, first of all, what you're saying, Nick, the YOLO balls that Drew Locke is just chucking up there for him. He's a six, four guy who can get down the boundary and make plays on the ball. And we saw him do that multiple times against the Patriots last week. And so I, I, I think that ultimately Juju is the call 
just because he we think he's the best receiver in Pittsburgh and we've seen it before with him. But I, I just, I am, I have no idea what to make of Juju anymore. And I think that like from now on, I'm going to hold myself to ranking him how I rank AJ Green and T.Y. Hilton, which is you are a wide receiver like blasphemy. bottom two until you show me something. That's blasphemy. That's blasphemy. So Mark Tim Patrick, my Juju hate. He's, he's been one of those uh, team preseason guys that like mm-hmm. the Sharks have just been racking up cash by deploying for a couple of years now. He's, he's always shown potential. I think he was a big, big uh, uh, D1 school guy uh, in college. He, he was like sort of, he's been this all potential dude for a long time. Maybe all it took was a uh, friendly version of Jameis Winston to just lob him balls constantly for him to return fantasy value. All right, let's move on. Clark, give us another uh, would you rather from well, this sounds really boring now after your awesome. No, do it again. Talk. I like this one. Uh, I like this one. I'm so, excited to talk about this one. Uh, Keelan Cole or DJ Chark. We are mining bad teams for production here. Coming into the season, uh, DJ Chark was much heralded. I would have been surprised if he made it out of the fourth or fifth round of any of your drafts. And he's had a huge game. He's had a 26 point PPR game and looked relatively good. Uh, but battling injury, someone who I would bet went undrafted in your leagues but someone who's flashed really good spurts of games before is Keelan Cole. So the question is, who would you rather the consistent Keelan Cole or the giant freak of nature who's battling injury in DJ Chark? I will start us off. I love DJ Chark. And I think DJ Chark is like, if you put him with a uh, drew lock, a Jameis quarterback, good Lord, that man would feast. But Gardner Minshew, watching Gardner Minshew throw deep balls is painful because the ball gets thrown and then sits there for 15 seconds while every DB swarms to it. And then DJ Shark has to out jump like 15 guys in order to make the catch. Keelan Cole, I tweeted about this today. He's averaging, I think it's like six targets, four and a half catches, 60 yards and a half a touchdown a game so far this season. And that is just like production that I can't fathom is on your waiver wire. He's I believe last time I checked, like 30% rostered in Yahoo leagues. I think that the rest of the season, as the Jaguars are currently constructed, I would rather have Keelan Cole. I think DJ Chark is going to obviously give you a couple games where he goes for, you know, a buck 20 and two touches. But Keelan Cole, just the, the regularity with how he's producing right now is something that for me, I would, I want to buy and then just like put him in my lineup and never think about it again, especially with the Jaguars. They have, I think they've only played the Texans once uh, so far this, this season. So they get the Texans and then they get the, uh, the Texans and then the Titans twice still. um, And then, and then the Colts once Um, Colts secondary that's on week 17. So, but we don't play week 17. So that's good. Anyways, (laughs) um, so yeah, I, I think I would ride with Keelan Cole right now, which again, as we do these, as we talk, these are things that we not would have, uh, choices we wouldn't have made at the start of the season. So, uh, has been super banged up. He had a chest injury and a back injury, and, uh, he was very, very questionable to play this week with an ankle injury. I think short term, if you need help, then it's Keelan Cole. Uh, I like the fact that the Jaguars have their buy in week eight. And so if you're looking long term for an ad, I would try to prey on the DJ Chark owner and uh, get him while he, you know, he's about to go on by. 
let him get a little bit more healthy. And then I would go back to rolling with him because I do think he's a more talented guy. But Cole, he'll probably light up the Chargers next week. Yeah, I just want to reiterate. Keelan Cole, 30% rostered. That's inexcusable. It's like the wide receiver 26 or something in PPR. He should be rostered in every league. Nick, what do you got for another would you rather? I got for another would you rather. Uh, Joe Mixon or Antonio Gibson? I already stuck up for your boy, Juju Smith-Schuster, who you've abandoned quickly. So we see where your loyalties lie there. And now you're going to force me into picking an injured Joe Mixon because the Washington football team is so terrible. Uh, what's his name? Kyler Allen or whatever it is, who, who, who always makes me feel like it's Keenan Allen with a huge scoreline, and then it's not. So I already don't like him for that. Uh He's not very good. Uh, They played the Giants this week and looked absolutely terrible against perhaps one of the worst teams in the NFL. Antonio Gibson looks really good. And I'm hoping that we're not looking at a situation where a really talented running back is wasted for three or four weeks. But unfortunately, Jarek McKinnon is looking really good too. And Peyton Barber is getting the ball. So he's getting a bunch of touches. With how much I expect the Washington football team to score this year, which may be under seven more touchdowns for the year, I feel like you just have to go with the (laughs) Bengals, who are maybe the worst team in the league, too, but they have a quarterback who can actually move the ball. And we've seen that even Joe Mixon can fall into the end zone a few times for this Bengals team. I don't like like this at all, Nick. This is is a tough one. Um, I... (sighs) Damn you, Nick. I want to say Antonio Gibson but I really don't want to put my faith in the Washington football team and Kyler Keenan Allen nor with the with the backfield that has uh Clark you were looking for JD McKissick I believe um who has also been yes who's been who's who's the one who's also been really good uh in the Washington backfield but the Gibson advantage is the fact that he is involved in the passing game the Mixon disadvantage is the fact that he has been marginally involved in the passing game. Um, but ultimately I will, I will side with Mixon in this choice that Clark said that the Bengals offense could at least move the football, but I don't like saying it. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think the thing that gives us pause is uh, Mixon. He, he's, he's, there's a number of these backs this year where they're on the field for early downs and they're getting some passing game usage. They're not the two minute back. Uh, that's, that's Mixon. Uh, it, it's also Antonio Gibson. What's frustrating about Mixon's upcoming schedule is that he has dates with uh, Pittsburgh twice in the span of uh, uh, six games in a, in the back half of the season. We don't like that because they, they can just shut opposing uh, offenses down as a whole, but uh, they did just lose. What is it? Devin Bush. Uh, for the year, one of their stud inside linebackers. So maybe that makes things a little bit sweeter for him. Gibson, on the other hand, he has one date with Pittsburgh, but I think what might just be tilting the scales here is that Cincinnati has run the, uh, is as averaging the highest, the second highest uh, offensive snaps per game at 72.3, while uh, Washington is down at 21 with 68.2. So it's, it's basically a, a 10 snap difference. That's a lot of snaps that Mixon will get to see that, that Gibson won't. Um, McKissick is just eating up targets. He, he got like eight last week or something. It is crazy. So 
he is he is seeing Gibson that is Gibson is seeing passing game usage but I think that um, McKissick for now is just taking too much off of his plate that the the numbers that Mixon is going to put up in the meantime are just too much to ignore so I will side with Mixon but uh, I think it's a decent conversation yeah I'm hoping that uh, Alex Smith gets back in there we have seen that Allen is just not great and I don't think that Alex Smith will save the franchise just because I think the reason everyone has looked so bad in Washington is that the front line for the front offensive line is so bad. Uh, But Alex Smith at least can add a little instead of only taking what's in front of him. So God, Antonio Gibson looks really good though. He does look really good. And if he was on any other team, I would be more than thrilled with him. Maybe at the NFL trade deadline some team will save Antonio Gibson. Not likely, but we can all hope and dream. Uh, All right, final would you rather. This is not fantasy related. Well, it could be, but it's really just fun related. Would you rather, if you were a Saints fan, would you rather have Drew Brees or Jameis Winston at quarterback? And why is the answer Jameis Winston? I think that for fantasy purposes, we'd all love to see Michael Thomas just getting bombs from from Winston and, and Traquan Smith would too. Uh, this isn't a real debate though, because Drew Brees is still way better. And, uh, I, is he though? I don't know. Is he, he is actually, is he is, he? he's fact. really good at throwing three yards down the field. But, uh, outside of that, I mean, what works really well, maybe you want to cover this Clark, but what works really well is that Michael Thomas can run around all over the goddamn field and Alvin Kamara is there. So, uh, the, the, the sets match up really well. As far as their like what they have in front of them, I mean they got a lot of like pretty nice schedule uh, matches coming up here with with uh, Carolina, a couple a uh, couple Atlanta dates, Philadelphia, Kansas City, Minnesota. Um, Breeze is going to be fine. Yeah, uh, Breeze is still a much better quarterback than Jameis Winston, and I know that Jameis uh, miraculously finished very highly in the fantasy ranks last year, being a horrible quarterback. And that very well could happen again, but I'll take a player who moves the offense better and scores a little bit more predictably. Uh, Also who's been missing maybe the like top two, three, four wide receivers in the game and still done pretty well in Drew Brees. Uh, Jameis Winston would be fun. I think for everyone other than new Orleans saints fans. I just, I just want, I want, I want, I want a quarterback who doesn't look 10 yards down the field and say, nah, that's too much for me. And then dumps it off to Alvin Kamara. I mean, it's great for Alvin Kamara managers. Good on you. Yeah. I just need Buffalo to score here so that they can cover. Oh, let's talk about how uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, again, just can't score touchdowns. <laughs> oh, it's still a huge game, though. That's oh, fine. of course. Of course. But there's uh, nothing quite like watching Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like, absolutely torch defenses and then get inside the 10-yard line and just be like, wow. I love the Oh, my God. He does have a huge game. 161 yards from buckets. Uh, from news happening, someone in one of my leagues uh, offered me Le'Veon Bell for a uh, first-round rookie pick next year after this news broke. I was like, the fuck out of here with that. What are you doing? <laughs> anyway, everyone cares about my fantasy team. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's why we have this podcast, is to talk about our own fantasy leagues and then have everyone who listens to this show weigh in on it. And if you want to weigh on it some more... Make sure you subscribe. Look at that transition. To the Fake Teams Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That is how you'll not only get us, uh, but also our fantasy basketball and baseball podcasts. Uh, follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. You can follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. 
Follow Clark at NFL Clark and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick. I like how I point to you guys, even though you're not anywhere near me. Uh, we will be back at you on Thursday to talk some week five, seven starts and sits. Until then, peace.